Amen, amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Can we get a hand clap of praise? Let's do that. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, amen. You're waving them. Awesome. Thank you. Well, if you have them, please turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, as we are uh, continuing our series uh, through this book on, on Acts, where we are asking the question, what did the early church look like? And can we really become like the early church? This is uh, sermon number 10 in this series. Have you been enjoying this series? Yes. All right, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Some of you are not sure, but yes, that's good, but it's, it's good. Well, as you're turning to Acts chapter 4, I just want to share uh, just a couple things with you real, real quick. Um, this week, this Wednesday, our midweek activities resume. Dinner 445, children at 530, um, students and adults at 6 o'clock. And just to let you know, in the adults uh, in Twitty Chapel, we'll be talking about revival. Uh, we'll be praying for revival, and we pray that you will be there, want you to be there. And we also have a very, very brief church conference so that we can approve some kingdom endowment funds, so we need your approval for that. And then next Sunday, the 23rd, is we will be observing the Lord's Supper during our morning worship service, and so it's going to be a special day uh, next Sunday, so you want uh, to be there, be here with us next week. Well, Acts chapter 4, um, I've simply titled today's message, uh, Have You Been With Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Why don't you look at your neighbor right now and ask them, have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? And so our text this morning, it is a very short text. It's actually one verse. So if I can preach 45 minutes on one verse, maybe not, but one verse, that's where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 13 um, uh, this morning and follow along in your copy of God's Word, or you can look on the screen behind me as well, but this is what the Word of God says. Now when they, talking about the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning, please? Uh, Father, we come before you today and we say thank you. Thank you for lives that have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we rejoice in that, and, and we rejoice in the fact that, uh, that, that as the church, this is our call to present the gospel to the world and allow the Holy Spirit to work on the lives of individuals. And we thank you that people are responding to the gospel. And Father, this morning, as we spend time in your word, I pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. And I pray, God, that when we leave here, that we will leave different because we have had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen, amen. Well, how many of you have ever heard this phrase? It's a, it's a, it's a principle, if you will, but how many of you heard the phrase, you can't soar with eagles if you're running with the turkeys? Anybody ever heard that? You can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. Now, whenever we hear that, that phrase or that parable, that principle, a lot of us think that we're the eagles, right? But how many of you are the turkeys? 
right? So you can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. Now what, uh, what that principle teaches us is, is this, that, that we should invest less time in certain relationships or activities uh, that will bring you down. For example, if, if you hang out with people who, are, uh, who have no ambition, then you will probably have no ambition. If you hang out with, with people who, have, uh, who are critical, then, then you will probably become critical. But, but the whole idea of that, that parable or that principle that it, you can't soar with eagles if you run with the turkeys, um, the idea is this. The people you spend time with, the people you spend the most time with will influence you on a day-to-day basis. Isn't that right? The people you run around with, they actually have a great influence on your life. And this is why the Bible talks so much to us as believers. It talks to us about spiritual growth. Peter writes in his book, Second Peter, he says this as, as believers, that we are to, to grow We're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Colossians, he says then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he says, continue to live in Him. Be grounded in Him. Be rooted in Him. Be be built up in Him, but be strengthened in your faith. And the Bible talks about this idea of spiritual growth, that, that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we look like Jesus. And it's so important that we spend time with Jesus every single day. Because again, you, you, you can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. Who you hang out with matters. Students, as you're sitting all across the auditorium this morning, who you hang out with matters greatly. And moms and dads, just to let you know, by the time your son or your daughter gets into high school, the greatest influence on their life is friends, not you. Who you hang out with matters greatly because they will greatly influence you. And so in our text this morning, in this one verse, we see the evidence of Peter and John spending time with Jesus. We see the fruit of it. We know when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read about the calling of the 12 disciples, that Jesus called 12 disciples to follow him, and they followed Jesus closely for three plus years. And and we know that Peter and John spent time with Jesus. And now some 60 days after Jesus has, has ascended into heaven, has resurrected and descended into heaven, 60 days later we see the fruits. We see the fruit of spending time with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Well, let's look at our context this morning. Look again at Acts chapter 4. We remember, we need to remember the context of verse 13 because we've been in Acts 3 and Acts 4 for the past several weeks, but Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 are all part of the larger and same story. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, if you remember, are on their way to the temple to pray. They're on the way to do a good thing, but on the way they see a lame man who is an extremely old man of 40. That's what the, I know, be careful, stepping on toes here. 
But they come across this lame man who's sitting at the temple, at this entrance to the temple near the beautiful gate, and the lame man is probably singing or or saying these words, alms, alms for the poor, please help me out. This is how he made money. Peter and John see this man, and they look, and Peter looks at this man and says these famous words, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what happens? This guy rolls off the ground? No, this man jumps off the ground. Scripture says his feet, his ankles, they strengthen, and he leaps, and he praises God. Now, you can imagine what happens next, and our text tells us this in Acts 3, that you can imagine what happens after you see a miracle. This man who for 40 years has never walked, now he's walking and jumping and praising God and going into the temple. You can imagine what a great crowd appeared. Well, a great crowd appears, and Peter, being a a bold man by nature, but also being filled with the Holy Spirit from Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter takes this moment, and he begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's Acts chapter 3. And he boldly declares that you need to repent from your sins and turn to Jesus. Well, in Acts chapter 4, we begin to see the result of that gospel message. In Acts 4, 4, it says that thousands came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, about 5,000. If you just remember, just a couple of days earlier, we only had 120 followers. Now, within two to three months, we're already up to 5,000 followers of Jesus Christ. A great miracle has taken place. But then the rest of Acts chapter 4 tells us What happens to those who boldly preach the name of Jesus, who boldly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who boldly believe that we will be raised because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Peter and John, they get arrested. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what they were thinking was going to happen that day, but they were arrested. They were arrested spent the night in jail. Then the next day, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of, and political leaders of the day, about 70 men, scribes and, and, and uh, uh, Sadducees called the Sanhedrin, they questioned Peter and John, and they asked him the question, how are y'all doing this? In what name? In what name are you doing this? And Peter and John say this, it is in the name of Jesus Christ. For there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved, Jesus the Christ. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Well, verse 13 tells us what the response of, of what the response was from the Sanhedrin. And verse 13 tells us this. The very first thing they tell us is this, is that these leaders were astonished by the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed that these men who'd just been arrested who are creating this uh, this great uh, environment to hear the gospel, they were amazed at their boldness. But the text goes on to say, but they really weren't impressed with them either. Now let's let's Greek out for just a minute, shall we? Anybody remember that? Haven't said that in a while, but Greek out. And this is what it says. In verse 13, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, political leaders of the day, they look at Peter and John, and they called them uneducated common men. Well, look at that word uneducated. In the Greek, it literally means, you ready for this? Illiterate. 
The Sanhedrin look at Peter and John, the religious leaders of the day, the political leaders of the day, look at Peter and John who are full of the Spirit, who have just told them how to be saved. It's through Jesus. It's in the belief in the resurrection of him from the dead. And here's what the Sanhedrin called them. You are illiterate. Well, that's not very nice. They called them illiterate. But this should not surprise Peter and John. Nor should it surprise us when people call us illiterate when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because these same men of the Sanhedrin, in John chapter 7, verse 15, it says this, they say this about Jesus. How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? They used the same Greek word, and the religious leaders of the day, they called Jesus illiterate. I think they're illiterate, don't you? I mean, they're completely missing the point. And so they call Peter and John uneducated, and then they call him, look at verse number 13, common men. Now, the Greek word for common is this, and I'm gonna spell it for you. Let's see if you can catch what they're saying. The Greek word they use for common is the Greek word, it's spelled this way, I-D-I-O-T, E-S. Does that word sound familiar? It's the Greek word idiotes. In English, what's that word? That's right, my mama said never say that word, but I can get other people to say it. <laughs> but just, just pull back for just a moment. Can you imagine can you imagine the religious leaders of the day, the political leaders of the day, calling gospel-believing, gospel-preaching, gospel-living men, can you imagine that they called them illiterate idiots? That should never happen, and it will never happen in our world, right? Hmm, would you agree that we're living in a world just like that today? We're college students, high school students, middle school students, I'm gonna tell you this. When you stand in the baptism waters and you let the world know whom you will follow, I want you to listen to me, and you tell the world, I'm following Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and you tell the world that you believe in the Son of Man, the Son of God, who lived perfect, born of a virgin, died on a cross of substitutionary death that you and I could not pay, and that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a physical, literal resurrection, and that he is going to come to take his saints up into heaven when he returns. And you, when you stand up in the baptism waters and you proclaim that to the world, let me tell you what the world and what the world is telling you today. You are illiterate and you're an idiot. That time has come. We think this only happens 2,000 years ago, but we're living in that day. But I want you to notice something here in our text. Go back to verse 13. 
It says the Sanhedrin perceived them to be uneducated and common men, and they were astonished. Here's what it says about those who preach Jesus, who live Jesus, who spend time with Jesus. Here's what it says of the religious leaders, the political leaders, those who are not following Jesus. It says this, they were astonished at them, and they recognized something about them. In other words, even though they called them illiterate idiots, they still could not understand who they were. They couldn't comprehend, but yet they were drawn to them. They were drawn to them, even though, uh, even though they did not have the education of the religious and political leaders of the day, even though they didn't dress like the religious leader or political leaders of the day, even though they didn't speak and believe and agree with what the religious and political leaders of the day were saying and speaking, even though the, Peter and John would not do that and they went against them, still, Scripture says, something drew a non-believer to a believer. Something drew them. And our text says, and they recognized that they, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. What drew the Sanhedrin? What, what drew them to say, man, I'm, I'm amazed. You're, you're, man, you're, you're just not very smart. You're, you're illiterate. You're, you're an idiot. But man, there's something about you that I'm drawn to. What is it? Well, the text tells us It was a spirit-filled boldness that was born, listen, that was born out of being with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. Now let me ask you the question that we began with this morning. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Folks, that, I believe that is the question of the day for the church and for the believers in Jesus Christ. Have you been with Jesus? Let me share with you just five things rather quickly on why being with Jesus is so important. On why being with Jesus is so important. Why do we need to spend time with Jesus in this day and age? Well, I think we'd all be in agreement that we need to spend time with Jesus because our world has turned against us. Amen? And, and, and let, let me just stop here for a second. It's a scary place to be in. I, I, would, I would prefer the world to be like the world that I grew up in. A- anybody with me? I, I, w- I prefer that. Man, I prefer Mayberry, (laughs) right? College students, high school, yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Right? I enjoy, I I mean, I I, I wish it was that way. I, I wish, I wish people were nice to each other like they were back in the day. I, I, I wish people were courteous. I mean, I, I wish those things. But the reality is, yesterday's gone. And all we have is right now. And I know this, and you know this, that right now, 
Believers in the United States of America, we are on a precipice of a coming pressure and persecution that we have never experienced in the history of the United States of America. That's scary, isn't it? Grandparents, does that scare you for your grandkids? Moms and dads, does that scare you for your children? Yeah, it does. But let me encourage you on this point. That situation has been the case for all believers in the rest of the world except the United States for the great majority of history. I was listening to, um, oh, who was it? I can't remember who I was listening to, but, but he made this comment. I was listening to him a couple weeks ago. He made this comment. He said this. He said, believers in Jesus Christ in China and the Far East who have suffered under great persecution, our brothers and sisters in China and the Far East are looking to Americans and to see how they respond to the treatment that they've been experiencing their entire life. The persecuted world is beginning to look at us to see how we respond when we're persecuted. And I'll tell you this, this past week, uh, two ladies from China, two Chinese ladies, I and their families, came to our church, knocked on our door. They had a Bible in their hand. Um, they came looking, uh, I think they came looking for, for me. I wasn't there in the office at that time. Um, but uh, Pastor John, our student pastor, I met with them, and these ladies from China um, raised support, came all the way over to China, flew all the way over to the United States, and their goal is this, to go to as many evangelical churches they can in the United States and tell them, thank you for coming to China in the past with the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow. So why is spending time with Jesus so important? We all believe that it's so, but why is it important? Let me give you five, five fairly quick reasons. Here's, here's number one, I want you to write these down. Number one, you and I, we were created, we were created to spend time with Jesus. You and I were created to spend time with the Heavenly Father. That's why we were created. In the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it reads, God created man, the word man is generic for humanity, so ladies, please do not get offended by that. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, and then male and female, God created them. From the very beginning, from the very beginning of humanity, God created male and female for a purpose and for a reason. You see, when you were formed in your mother's womb, God created you in your mother's room, 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 <laughs> womb, Gotta be careful. Male or female. 
The chromosomes that God designed, the DNA, all a part of his creation, all the things that he thought about, goes into you. When you were born a male, God created you what? Male. When you were born female, God created you what? Female. That's God's design. That's God's creation. And listen, that's glorious. That is glorious. Now we understand because of sin, things have been distorted. We understand that and we know that. We know that sin has distorted um, sometimes our physical bodies. We understand that. But the overwhelming majority of those who are born physically, you know. Are you with me? And that's by God's design. And God uniquely created you, according to Psalm 139. He said, I know you. I formed you. And wonderful are your works. So God created you male and female. We're made in the image of God. And one of the reasons that he created me, the reason he created you, was so that we could have fellowship with the Heavenly Father. When God created us, he gave humanity a privilege that nothing else in all of creation has. When God created us, he gave us the privilege to be in a, in a relationship with, with him, to be able to communicate with, with the heavenly father, to be able to have relationship with the heavenly father. No other part of creation has that privilege. You've heard that all dogs go to heaven. All cats, well, let's just go to a different place. <laughs> but listen, you humans, we're created. We're created to, to be with Jesus. Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3, says this in chapter 3, verse 20, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll have fellowship with him. I will, I will eat with him. I, I will dine with him. So in Genesis 1, we see that God created us. In the beginning, God created us. We're created to be in a relationship with him. In Revelation chapter 3, the end of the story, Jesus says to John to share to the churches, he says, man, let everybody know I'm knocking on the door and I want to have fellowship with you. We're created to have that fellowship. Over 400 years ago, there was a group of believers called the Puritans who had really major players in uh, the birth of the United States of America eventually, but uh, these Puritan pastors, these Puritan uh, elders, uh, they came together and they wrote a very important document called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Anybody ever heard of that, the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Okay, y'all aren't Presbyterian, so many of you don't know that, uh, but you need to know that. You need to know the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You really, really, really do. It is a document that an overwhelming majority of English-speaking people in the world, except at First Baptist Church Brunswick, have, have heard of the doctrine, of this document. But it's, 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 a, it's a simple document um, that, that briefly explains the doctrines of Christianity. 
And it's listed in a question and answer format. The first question that they ask is this, what is the chief end of man? What's the purpose of mankind? And here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why you were created. You were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, so whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. Revelation 4 says this, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and power and honor, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The psalmist writes in Psalm 73, whom do I have in heaven but you? And on earth there's nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh fail, but God is the strength and the portion of my heart forever. Folks, this is why we're created. You're created to be in an intimate, thriving relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's why you're created. And you're created to enjoy, to enjoy Him. So why is it important we spend time with Jesus? Number one is that's why you were created, to spend time with him. Here's, here's number two, here's another reason why it's important we spend time with Jesus. Jesus gave his life to make this possible. Are y'all with me this morning? Jesus died to make the relationship possible. We were created, but we know that something happened because of sin. And then here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus to restore that relationship. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter one, he said this, God is faithful. God is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, when Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, when they sinned, God said, you can eat of any tree, but don't eat of this one. When they sinned, they were tempted by the serpent We know him as Satan, the evil one who is a fallen angel who tried to take God's throne up in heaven. God threw him down. Satan and his his legion of uh, angels that we call demons, uh, Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and they tempted Adam and Eve with these words, really began with Eve, he tempted Eve with these words, did God really say? Folks, that's the same temptation that that Satan has given us today in our world. Does the Bible really say this? It's, it's, It's the same temptation. And Eve ate of the apple, or the fruit, and gave it to to Adam, and and they ate and they sinned, and, and it broke that relationship. But God knows why he created you. God did not want that thing, did not want that relationship to be broken, so he did something. He sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you could be in a relationship with the heavenly father. That is not to be taken lightly, amen? It is not to be taken lightly. In our world today, we need to rest assured on the fact that Jesus died for us so that we can be in a relationship with the heavenly father. There's no other way. You cannot come to the father through any other way. It's not through another religion, it's not through Islam, it's not through Western secularism. By the way, this Western secularism believes that utopia, which means heaven, utopia is going to come on earth through the political avenue. Folks, listen, utopia will never be here on earth, amen? 
It will never, never, never be here. It can't happen. But it will happen when Jesus splits the sky. When Jesus splits the sky and he sets up his millennial kingdom, his millennial reign, then when Jesus is here, well, it's all good. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say this. Have you been with Jesus? God created you to be with Jesus. Jesus died so that you could be with him. And here's, here's number three. Here's number three. Number three is this. Personal time alone with God was Jesus' source of strength. Jesus himself knew and knows why he was created, knows why humanity was created. So he, he understood this. And Jesus himself, every moment he could, would take time away and spend time with the Heavenly Father. Mark 1 talks about this. Other scriptures in the Gospels talk about the time when Jesus would often withdraw himself and go to a mountain to pray. Now listen, here's, here's I'm a simple man, but here's my thought. If the one that I follow, whose name is Jesus, if Jesus thought it important enough to take time away during the day to spend time with the Heavenly Father, if he believed that's important, if I'm Jesus' follower, you know what? I believe that should be important as well. Because what does it mean if we're followers of Jesus, we do what Jesus did? And Jesus made this a part of his daily life. He often withdrew. And I believe this, church, one of the reasons that we have become ineffective as a whole is that, is that we are distracted. We are distracted. We have so many things that are reaching for our own attention, and yet Jesus says, man, I'm, I'm here. I just, I, I just want to be with you. Will you take time to be with me? Here's the fourth reason. Here's the fourth reason why I believe this is important, that we need to spend time with Jesus. It's because of this. Every person who has ever been effective in service for God has spent time with Jesus. Think about that. Every person that has had an effective ministry has spent time with Jesus. You can go to the beginning of the Bible. You have Abraham, who was called a friend of God. You have Moses, who said he talked to him face to face. Talk about Elijah, who got to experience things you and I can never experience. What about David? All these great men, all these great women of God, they spent time with the Father. They spent time with the Savior. They spent time, and because of that, God blessed them. One of my favorite passages of scripture comes from the book of Samuel when, when David has been asking God to, he says, God, I want to build a temple. I want to build something for the Ark of the Covenant. I want to build a place for you so that we come and worship to you. And you, you remember what God said to David? He said, no, you're not going to build it. You're not going to build it. You know what David did next? Scripture says he went on to social media and complained about God so terribly bad. <laughs> Called him all kinds of names and just ripped him apart. No, he didn't do that. It says this, that David went away and sat before the Lord. David sat before the Lord. 
Folks, did you know that your effectiveness in ministry, small group teachers, um, the effectiveness of your teaching does not necessarily come from you studying the text to teach. It comes from you reading the word and interacting with the Holy Spirit and you have a personal, intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's where your effectiveness comes from. That's where your effectiveness comes from. It's when you make it a daily practice to stand and sit before the Lord. Every person in all of history who had an effective ministry for the Heavenly Father spent time with Jesus. And here's the last one, and then we're gonna be done and go get some Gatorade. Number five, you cannot be a healthy, growing Christian unless you spend time with the Heavenly Father. Folks, can I tell you this, that spending time with, with Jesus is not just a good idea. I, I don't encourage you to do this just because you, you, you know, it's good for you. It is good for you, but, but listen, when you decide to follow Jesus, when you decide to follow Jesus, the mandate from Jesus is, is clear. That you are to deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me. That, that, that's it. That's it. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. If you want to be a follower of Jesus who is effective, that's what you do. You die to yourself, pick up your cross, you follow Jesus. And Jesus himself said this, it is written that man does not live by bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Job said this in Job chapter 23, he said this, I have treasured your words more than the daily bread that I receive. It comes from spending time with God. And so folks, today, I ask you, have you been with Jesus? Have you set a time to pull away and focus completely on the relationship with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? If you haven't, why not? Why not? You're created to be in a relationship with him. He wants to be with you. Why don't you come to him? You say, Pastor, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you just spend time with him. There's no magic formula, but I know that Jesus gives an example that he does go to the mountain to pray early in the morning, so all of you early risers, good for you, all of you late risers, you night owls. Doesn't matter when you come to Jesus, whether it's in the morning or whether it's nighttime, but the call is to come be with Jesus. Because here's, 
Here's the fruit of it. When you're with Jesus, and when you're pressured, and when you're persecuted, you will be prepared to give an answer. Because why? (laughs) You've been with Jesus. And that's what he wants from you. So this week, is it possible for you to get up earlier, 15 minutes earlier? Which means go to bed a little bit earlier? Find a special place? Pull out your Bible? Pull out the First Baptist Church Brunswick daily reading plan that I know every single person in this room has been faithful to? Week 16, 17? It doesn't matter, just pick up. Wherever, open up your Bible and say this, God, I wanna be with you. And read and listen and pray. And here's what you'll find out, your 15 minutes will turn into 16 minutes, turns into 17, it turns into 30. And then here's what happens. Do you remember the story when Moses went up onto the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he spent about a month with the Heavenly Father, and he came down from the mountain. Do you know what Scripture says about Moses? That his face, what? Glowed. Why did his face glow? Because he had been with Jesus. We need to glow more. We need to glow more. How do you glow? You be with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I rejoice with those who are baptized and their, and their family and their friends. God, thank you for that. We praise God for that. Thank you, God. And Lord, if there's somebody here today who uh, hasn't fallen to believer's baptism, I pray that they would come forward and choose to be baptized. And Father, if there's somebody here this morning who, you know, they've, they've thought, they've, they've heard you speak, and, and they realize, you know, I really haven't been with Jesus. Father, if that's that individual, God, I pray that you would just encourage them and just simply say to that person, just come be with me. We thank you, Father. Now, if you are that person who has not been with Jesus in a while, would you just simply say this prayer to the Heavenly Father? Say, Jesus, I've missed you. Forgive me for not spending time with you. I want to be with you. And I want to spend time with you. And if you pray that prayer, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart and say, thank you, my child, let's, let's meet. And then you just make up a time to meet with Jesus. If there's some of you here, you've never been with Jesus ever, ever, ever because you haven't given your life to Jesus, know this, he died on the cross for you so that you can be in a relationship with him. And the call to you is give your life to Jesus. And for us as a church, for us as a church, it is my prayer that people would see that we have been with Jesus because we glow. Father, speak to us now. And may we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.